were back. You did amazing. Melanie, ladies and gentlemen, is not feeling well. She has the flu. She has suffered in silence today. She is a champ. (laughs) It's one nice thing about Zoom, though, because we can still do it. Whereas, like, these days you can't, like, not that it's COVID, but you can't just rock up to an event coughing and sneezing these days. (laughs) 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 Highly frowned upon, for sure. Yes. Are you, are you just, like, put together from the waist up or do we you know have- what for once in my life I'm fully dressed Ooh. because I was feeling so shit I was like I for me when I'd like get dressed up and put a face on it's like my my battle armor like I feel different so like yeah. I if I take the time completely changes how I'm feeling that day yeah yeah so I put well, the full outfit and it worked. <laughs> you worked today so good job uh welcome to the show everyone welcome to of the publishing persuasion i'm angela montoya i wanted to do the intro before melanie snuck in Mm -hmm. and stole it from me um i'm angela montoya author of center's isle that comes out on halloween very soon sorry you Uh, said that you're angela montoya twice (laughs) well i wanted i wanted people to know who i am okay this is a big Just episode. in case you're not sure, it's Angela Montoya, <laughs> author of Sinner's Isle. <laughs> I had to make sure, Melanie, okay? Or maybe, <laughs> maybe I forgot I had said it already. I just <laughs> Either way, everybody now knows that I'm Angela Montoya. <laughs> and I'm here with Melanie Schubert, the smart-ass award-winning freaking <laughs> diva extraordinaire uh, melanie besides feeling like shit how are you doing i'm good actually like these last two episodes i feel like the universe is just like gently reminding me like just just keep doing what you're doing you know just rem- like the authors we've had on recently have just really reminded me in a big way how unpredictable and how long it can take and how it really can be a timing thing, not a craft thing. Do you know what I mean? Don't you reckon just like Katya and Rebecca, just like their journeys felt really relatable to me, you know, like that. And, and that's the industry. Like even you can have a book come out sooner and it might not like they both had quiet starts, you know, before they, became big and bad you know what I mean and it just I don't know the whole thing has kind of reminded me when I set out to do this I never set out with the intention to be like sucked into like a different I don't know how to say it but like sucked into a different capitalist beast does that weirdly make sense when I set out to like live life this way and chase this dream I was like I'm gonna live different like I'm gonna I'm gonna try and like prioritize what's important in my life Mm. and yeah I think sometimes when we're grinding and trying to make things happen it's like you know what I mean it's so easy to get caught up in the business side and like forget how cool what we're doing is and forget like yes forget like what drew us to it you know what I mean Yes, I was literally thinking this today. I don't know why I was thinking it or what I was listening to or what, 
But um, I just had that moment where I was like, this is really cool. Yeah. What I'm doing is really, really cool and really fun and exciting. And not a lot of people get to do this. Not a lot of people can just take the time to write stories or to think of stories because it's so time consuming and it's hard to do. Not a lot of people are brave enough to try like real talk as well. It's scary. And like, sometimes it's easier to not try than to try and fail. It's like, it yeah like I'm glad we're always in alignment with this stuff you and I like it's just it's, it's really true. fucking cool like imagine we told young Angela and young Melanie that we'd be doing the things we're doing now like I just can't I can't even think how I would have processed that a few years back yeah no totally like I love that we always ask our our guests you know like looking yeah. back what advice would you give yourself and it's funny because it's like, I've never really thought about it for myself. Like what mm-hmm. advice, what advice would you give yourself, Melanie? Oh, shit. That's I know, question. right? <laughs> this is a hard one, actually. It really is hard. I think maybe the best advice I'd give myself is take the time to like look inside and learn yourself and like think about what really matters because ultimately if that's what's driving the machine and if you're not letting like your if that's what's driving your life you kind of can't go wrong if you let other people and society drive for you which like we're kind of growing up we're like we're almost given this blueprint and it's easier to stick to it but it's really soul crushing to stick to it Mm -hmm. so yeah like I think yeah trust that stubbornness inside yourself that it's going to lead you to the things you love because it seems to even if it doesn't turn out how I thought that like stubbornness has been like a guiding light for me to like carve my own path and like not let other people there's only misery if you let other people decide how you should live I think and even if you get the perfect life with the pretty bow that you saw other people have if it's not what you wanted for your life, you'll be miserable. A lot of people are. A lot of people have like a picture perfect life, but it doesn't bring them like satisfaction because maybe they wanted to live on a chicken farm like out in the wilderness, you know? Yes. Yeah. What about you? I don't know. That was a bit ranty. But... I know. It was beautiful. It was perfect. Um, I don't know. I think like I'll, pretty much everything you had to say. So I'll just, that's it, period. That's good. Would <laughs> no, you but add I, something? I think honestly, and I feel like it really changed for me, like just in the writing, mm. um, like scope is finding your voice and trusting it. Mm. Because when I first started, I really wanted to write like so-and-so author or I thought like you needed to write these stories, um, you know, and that's how you become successful, whatever successful is. But I feel like when I really let all that go and just trusted in my own voice as a writer, as a human, and just like, let, let it be, let my weird, whatever self be, it really made all the difference and like getting to, I, and I think Leanne said a lot of that too. And one of our episodes, you know, just allowing yourself to be weird and be comfortable in the weird. 
I think is a really beautiful thing because, you know, you don't ever want to, you know, growing up, you don't want to, didn't want to stand out or be the weird kid or, you know, cause you didn't want to get ridiculed or whatever. Yeah. But, but like really being that is what makes you so special, you know, yeah. so what makes your stories unique and cool. And so getting into the weird is good. hundred percent. Hundred percent. I that is such a good one. I do wish I could have told my younger self, lean into that weird side of you because that's how you'll find your real people. Cause you're so right. It's it's not even like just the pressure of like being made fun of. It's like isolation. If you don't like when you're young, if you don't fit in, you feel like the pack will shut you out or something. You know and they I'm, will. And they, they will. will. You know, in your mind at least, but then you don't need that pack because they're 100%. not the right ones. So yes, yeah, that was good. I I felt this in my bones. Felt <laughs> <laughs> in my bones. <sighs> yeah, How have you been my friend. I, I feel I feel really good to be honest. Yes. I think our yoga has been helping, and then again, and I think it was last week I mentioned it. What Jill too said mm. about about celebrating this debut for past Angela, yeah, um, really clicked in my head. It really, really did. So thank you, Jill, if you're listening. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, but it really did because this is a special time. This is a really, really cool time. Mm. It's a once in a lifetime time, and so like. Yeah, obviously I'm working on a second book. I'm drafting a new book. Um, but even still, that's really cool. That's really special. It's and so, so cool. celebrating. It's so cool and it's so fucking worth celebrating. And thank the universe for the Jill twos because because yes. of how we're brought up, sometimes we just need our sisters to turn around and be like, bitch this is your time. Enjoy your time to shine. Yes. I, I wish we didn't need it still. I wish we could tell ourselves that and believe it. But the power of a friend telling you, celebrating with you and being like, you fucking earned this. Enjoy this. It's really powerful. And I'm so grateful for people who like verbalize that stuff, who verbalize the things we need to hear. So a moment for Jill. <laughs> Thank you, Jill. Thank you, Jill. We love you. Yeah, it's, I'm laughing, but I'm like in the deepest fiber of my being. I'm so like women supporting women, humans supporting humans. I'm just like, it's something I'm very passionate about. (laughs) (laughs) And rightly so. It's a beautiful thing. Damn it. Now I want to do a random segue into something I've been dying to tell you about, which you think is not going to see it coming. I have to know, do you know what a cloaca is? A cloaca. Is it some sort of bird? <laughs> you know birds have them. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, I learned this the other day and I've been dying to tell you. And I just okay. keep getting. Oh, Alicia. Alicia wants, she has a... a... <laughs> She thinks, is it a pee-pee? She said, is it a pee-pee? She's in the right ballpark. <laughs> She's dying right now. Is Good it a yes? Is it a potty? 
Is it a potty? What do you mean by potty? <laughs> you know, like a pee pee and a potty? <laughs> no, I don't know. Like, do you mean another orifice or do you mean a potty? Because in Australia, potty is like something you give a two year old to pee in. Okay. Well, yeah. Our, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, do you mean a like pee- a butt? Sure. Is it a butt? Okay. Are you ready for this? So I learned the other day a cloaca is a snake butthole (laughs) and chickens have them too. They have cloacas? They have cloacas. Why Why didn't you tell Rebecca Ross this? I I almost did. (laughs) Did you? You could have stopped the whole show and be like, Rebecca, Rebecca, listen, listen. Well, I wanted to remember to tell you, but I'm going to tell you the story that goes with it because the reason I learned it is because we had dinner the other night with my brother-in-law and his girlfriend and we're like just still getting to know each other and she was telling us this story because I was like asking her, she's a teacher, and I was like asking her like what's the like most hectic thing that's happened at school? And she was like, mm. she's like, well, she's like, when she like started out, she had like, she's primary and she's like, she had like show and tell. She asked kids to bring in like their favorite thing. And one of the kids was like, is it okay if I bring in my pet snake? <laughs> she's like, well, she's like, sure, I guess. Like, she didn't really think like, is it going to be problematic? <laughs> so... This little boy brought his pet snake to school, which was fine. It was fine. The snake was great. It wasn't poisonous, obviously. He was very good with it. The students were able to handle it. And then he turned around to her and he said, oh, no, miss. (laughs) And she's like, what? He's like, something's happening. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently, I don't know if you know this, I didn't. Snakes do not poop often. They have a cloaca and they do not poop. Like they poop once a month or something. It's like a whole event. So the snake hadn't done its poop in months and it was the time. It was the time of poop in the class. And she said it shat everywhere. It was like the whole classroom reeked. She had no idea what to do with it because it was just like months of snake shit. <laughs> oh my god! I know. I know. It's like the kind of best worst story of life. <laughs> I mean, I legit am learning something today. I had no freaking clue for one of a cloaca. I mean, thank you for that. And two, that they hold it for a month. And then is it like, it just explosive just everywhere? It, it just sounded explosive. It sounded like there was a lot of trouble to deal with it. And she said the smell was just like, she just could not get the smell out properly. <laughs> so she oh, was... shit. Because they eat like rats and shit. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. But I never thought about it. So, like, obviously, chooks just go all the time. But, like, a cloaca is the butthole that does everything. It's uh? one, one hole to rule them all. <laughs> Wait, so do 
Do chicks know? Because they have a vent, right? So they have a different hole for their eggs, right? No, it's all oh, the so same. All, That's what a cloaca the- is. Everything from one hole. <laughs> I just thought you had to know. <laughs> and I appreciate this. I really do. I, I, this is fascinating <laughs> to me. So that cloaca, like it just seals, it seals shit in. Like it just, like it's tight. It and then, must. and then it expands and it just goes. Wow. I guess <laughs> I have to do more research. But since she told me the story, I've been dying to tell you. Oh, man. Thank you for this. Really, truly. Thank you. You'll never see your chickens the same again. Speaking of chickens. No way. I'm going to be looking for the cloacas all over the time. All over the place. Just cloacas everywhere. And what a (laughs) word. Like, who? where did this word stem from? No, I think it's a Latin word for... Uh, I say I don't know, but I did look it up. It's the... I think it's the Latin word for sewage. And fun fact, I may have put it in my YA book that I've been writing. I decided to call the culty, like, villainous, like, monk characters cloacas. (laughs) Because it kind of sounds evil in a way, but I know that it means snake butthole. What if what if someone's reading it and they're like a snake butthole <laughs> expert and they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Melanie. It's an Easter egg, Angela. It's <laughs> a cloaca Easter egg for those who know these noble listeners of the podcast. One day when they read it, they'll be like, <laughs> so there you go. Don't say I don't educate you. <laughs> I feel learned today. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> thank you. Thank you for this. I'm going to tell everyone I know. I know. I need to, I honestly need to know more about how a snake poops at this point. I feel like we need to see a video. (laughs) Oh, but now I also feel like I need to know more because I was shocked as well. It's just like such a bizarre fact. But anyway, moving on from snakes to things with serpents on the cover. Is there anything for Sinner's Isle Corner this week? Dude. Yeah, I mean, like so much, I think. But one thing that really sticks in my brain is the other day I was tagged in something and I was like looking at the picture for forever. Like, I was just like, oh, this is a really nice picture. Why am I tagged in this? And then I looked closer and she had my book, like my actual physical book in her book stack. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And, um, like it's getting out into the world like it's been printed which is so So I've like I've just been sitting here waiting like oh am I gonna get my my book soon like is this is like looking out my window um (laughs) wait because you know my posts you know the mailman over here is not always on point so I'm like oh no did they lose my books um so but yeah it's she's real like she's a full-blown book and has been sent to people (laughs) it must feel surreal to see it not not having your own copy yet it must feel like fake seeing it in yes because well because like I had my friend Gabriella like printed me a fake 
cover, right? So like we just we just put it on top of a, a book and I've been yeah. using this as like a reference, right? And um <laughs> that's glorious. <laughs> I know. So thank you. So uh so like I've had this and yeah. like I now knowing it's like real. <laughs> And I'll get to actually hold it soon is so, so weird. Because I've just seen renderings and like seeing it in a person's actual hand is wild. How did that make you feel? Uh, Giddy. Like I was just over the moon because it's just like, oh, like it's really happening. Like people are getting. So, and she, and the, um, I, apologize I don't remember her tag on Instagram but mm. she read it uh, well she had the well she, and, and and she had the whole audiobook I don't I have not even listened to the audiobook but she had that as well and she listened to it in one sitting like in one day and um so I feel really great I'm excited but I'd also I'd like to I'd like to- is weird where are your copies I know, I know, but she said it sounded great. So I'm <laughs> excited. Hey, as long as they're liking it, I'm happy with it. I'm okay. I'm not going to push. Yeah. Plus I know a lot of behind the scenes, um, like in publishing with my mm-hmm. editor and all, they're going through so much for the next season. So mm-hmm. it's just like, I think there's just so much happening at this, like literal this week Yeah. Um, that it's probably impossible to focus on everything, but that's I'm true. waiting. I am waiting. And you know what? It's like good publicity that people are getting it. And yours will come when they come, you know, like it's, yeah, yeah that's so fucking exciting. It's so, it looks so cool. Like it, like um, I saw another one today uh, from Get Underlined, which is like the marketing team, I think for yeah, yeah. my book. And they had it and it was like up on a shelf. And I was like, oh my gosh. So yeah. So it's, she's real. That's cool. I know get underlined girl. <laughs> it's Oh my gosh. It is so close now. It is yeah. nibbling at the heels. I can't wait. You know, she's going to have a place of honor on the shelf. I'll have to move the shelf closer once that copy is here. And... The whole shelf just needs to be moved right next. To... Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll send you one too. I'll send you one. You know, I would love that. Write me a love note in the front cover. If you send me one, I'll give away mine. I'll give mine away. We can do, we'll have to do a big giveaway for. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'll have, I'll have some. Yeah. Maybe eventually to give away. Uh, yeah. And once they come to Australia and I say once, cause I feel like it's only a matter of time as your Australian public grows bigger and bigger by the second. Um, I am going to be that friend when I see it. I'm just going to be like, I'll just get another copy. Just like another copy, yoink. I will have multiple copies and they will have a shrine. <laughs> as, as well, you've already got a statue of me, so I do. It, it makes sense to have a shrine. In She'll my have honor. to guard the shrine. Yes, <laughs> it's so exciting. And honestly, it's you better check the post because who knows? Speaking of post. Yes. I got this. I don't know if you got one yet. Yes. How lovely. Little I know. Mail, mail from our, um, from Candace, one of our guests. How sweet. She sent a little love yeah. note. 
I was I like, was what is this and where is it coming from? I'm like, our other guests need to step their game up. <laughs> I quite like the cards. Yes. <laughs> yes, all our guests from now on need to send us gifts, please. No, it was very, very sweet. It was. It was really, really thoughtful. So, but Yes. I will be working on something new this week, so that's a bit exciting. I don't know where it's going to go yet, but sorry, that was a terrible segue. Hey, I don't care. Melanie is going dark. I'm Melanie going very dark. Is really, she's digging in deep for this next project, and I'm scared. I'm really, really scared and excited to hear where this is going to go. Yeah. It's honestly. Do you want to talk about it? Like, do you want to? Yeah, why not? You know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But it's a fun part of the journey. But like, yeah. So I got an opportunity through our dear friend Katya to pitch for a horror anthology, which like sounds left field, but also if you kind of look at what I've been writing recently, like Swamp Princess horror, even my YA leans to horror. Like, it's. I think maybe the idea I had of horror in the past was very narrow but it's such a broad field it's like really crosses over fantasy stuff as well so yeah like she had mentioned like anthologies and stuff and I was like yeah shit maybe I should try like do something that's a bit writing a book is stressful you know Yeah, (laughs) maybe like a smaller piece of work would be like just fun and something with no pressure so yeah I got an opportunity to pitch an idea and um, I just heard back today that they would like to see the actual story. So made it through the one step. Hell yeah. So are you going to start working on this? Have you already started? What, yeah. what are you what's happening? So once I had the idea, which I, I will keep that a secret for now, but I will say, I will say my initial pitch is Wonder Woman cross Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's definitely the darkest thing I've ever written, but um, the theme is revenge. So I kind of just was sitting with like what what I tried to just sit with that question and be like what would bring about the deepest desire for revenge? And then I kind of went with that. So, so yeah, I, I've done like a skeleton. I did a skeleton when I had the idea because I did have a lot of ideas coming for it. And it's kind of been nice with a smaller, like an anthology story. I think it's 3,000 to 10,000 words. It feels like a really manageable size. And I'm having so, even though it's dark, I'm kind of having fun exploring that side of my writing, like something like a bit unexpected. I didn't expect to write something so like dark and gory. I am going to try keep it like uh when I say try keep it light, I'm not gonna write some I'm not gonna write any like on the page like abuse or anything like that. But like I'll try keep those scenes like art house almost, like smells and colors and feel emotions. Mm, yeah. So but it's just fun even just thinking about it from that angle, approaching it as like a new, I don't know. It was a real breath of fresh air. It feels very, it feels like low stakes. Like if they don't, if I don't get through the next stage and they don't accept my story, it'll suck a bit. But like, it was cool to just have something different to work on that. Yeah. Totally. And like, even say that is a pass or whatever, Mm. it can still open up a new door or a new passion. And so hell, like you said, low stakes, like 
what the best case scenario you're gonna have a a short story in an anthology you know what i mean so it's like you've got to try and yeah. keep trying and, and i'm I obsessed with the story so yeah. it's and like I that's think, what matters totally and i i could see this really being a good like switch over for you like genre wise because you were already leaning towards like the the weird and scary yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it just feels like it would just lean itself well this story and I could see like a little bit of humor a little touch of like you yeah. know <laughs> I, yeah I, I don't see that's always going to be there for you I think mm. but I, I know you can go dark and just just the just the pitch alone <laughs> You've been there, so I'm excited and nervous to see where the hell that brain is going to go. <laughs> I really went there. I just, I actually just took all bars off myself. I didn't think about what was appropriate and what wasn't. And I just like <laughs> wrote my guts out. But I yes. do think that's, I I do think that's something about the horror, the horror genre. It, like you said, you can write that dark and put comedy in, in horror. Yeah. Because yeah. horror doesn't take itself too seriously. Like, I watched this Filipino horror the other day. Oh, so funny. But, like, people are dying left, right, and center. And, like, but the most random stuff happens in amidst that all that just is so shocking, so inappropriate. And I was like, huh, yeah, you're right. Like, there might be a space for me, especially on the quirky side of horror. I think, like you said, I tend to write really weird stuff that maybe doesn't sometimes fit specific genres so right lean uh, into the weird yeah weird oh my gosh so watch this space I'll definitely let you know what happens crossing our fingers toes everything but yeah it's fun either way heck yes yes I'm excited crossing everything yes crossing my what's the word that I learned I already forgot it Kafwa? What? Oh, cloaca. Cloaca. I'm crossing my cloaca for you. <laughs> this stupid word. Well, I guess snakes do cross it for the time. <laughs> Pucker in that cloaca. Pucker it up. Pucker that cloaca. <laughs> yes. Oh, Thank man. you, my friend. Yeah, so a bit of fun. But um, speaking of fun, amazing things, our guest, a yes. freaking legend. I so enjoyed talking to her. And as per usual, I just feel like the guests we've had on just speaking to my soul lately. So Absolutely. you want to read the bio today? I sure as heck do. I sure do. Um, She's my idol. I want to read everything she's ever written. And I want to read her bio as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you really had to go with the cloaca right before I got Rebecca Ross <laughs> I held in my cough so well I, good good job you did well you did well yeah I'm sorry right now I'm gonna read her bio Melanie hold okay. that cough in <clears throat> I'll mute myself good because this is serious Rebecca Ross is the number one New York Times and Sunday Times bestselling author of fantasy books for teens and adults. She has written multiple highly acclaimed duologies, including Letters of Enchantment, Elements of Cadence, and The Queen's Rising, as well as two standalone novels, Dreams Lie Beneath and Sisters of Sword and Song. 
When not writing, she could be found in her garden where she plants wildflowers and story ideas. She resides in Northeast Georgia with her husband and her dog. And her chickens. And her chickens. <laughs> with Spoiler the cloakers. <laughs> Sorry. Lots of cloakers. Sorry, I don't know why on this episode, but you know what? It was very fascinating to me. I hope it's fascinating to our listeners as well, because obviously I, I them. I guarantee you a lot of our listeners did not <laughs> know about cloakers. Speaking of our listeners, if you like tell the listeners your great idea that you had. <laughs> yes, I did have a fun idea. Thank you, Melanie. Thank <laughs> you for that. Um, I was thinking it'd be a fun time to do like a little episode where we gathered our dear friends, our listeners, people on the Discord, just do a big old Zoom chat and they could ask questions about Sinner's Isle or even about us and the show. I mean, anything. Um, just the free for all of questions. I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be a fun thing to try. Yes, but I am gonna say no, it's a Sinner's Isle themed party. It's not gonna okay. be about the fucking podcast. It's gonna be Sinner's Isle party, and we're gonna be asking you questions because this is your time. Okay, and fine. It's this is like our podcast party. And yes, we want to invite the listeners in for a special episode where we can all celebrate Angela. And okay, this fine. amazing time because she's not going to say it. So I'm going to say it this time. We're having a Sinner's Isle party. Please dress up like pirates and witches. That's yes. <laughs> yes, that'd be so fun. Oh, so yeah, let's do something. Let's do yeah. something. Be fun. What's yeah, we will keep um, the socials updated as we talk more about when and how and et cetera. And yeah, we will. We'll chat in the Discord as well. So if you're not already in our Publishing Persuasion Discord, please do find us through DMs, etc. Etc. Yes. Et but um, without further ado, our glorious guest. Yes. The Rebecca Ross. Hello. All right. Rebecca, you look amazing. Your whole backdrop, everything is such a freaking vibe. Um, I'm in love. I'm obsessed. Oh, thank you. Well, it's so nice to meet you. You're nice sure. to meet you. Yes. It's honestly like I've been wanting to have you on for forever. And so the fact that this is working out is just so exciting. And um, I already know everybody, all of our listeners are just going to be fangirling, boying over you. So welcome Aww. to the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I can't get over your your backdrop. Honestly, like it just <laughs> feels like it's the coolest thing ever. I mean, just goals. I'm over oh. here with my like Halloween children's display. No, I love that too, though. It's so seasonal. It is <laughs> seasonal. Um, can you please tell us like what's a favorite item on the shelf behind you for our listeners who are just like listening, just like something because yes there is a lot of glorious yes. things on those shelves tell us one what is it and does it mean okay anything? um goodness that's a that's a great <laughs> question um let me look um I do really really love well I guess I'll go for these you can't even see them on the screen but I have like this stack of like old letters and I pretty much I bought them off of Etsy but I'm pretty sure they're like old love letters 
and they're just so timeless feeling. And I use them a lot for like photo props and when I'm taking photos. Um, but yeah, I just think they're super cool. And so they're like one of my favorite things. And I just keep them like up here on my little like chest of drawers. Beautiful. It like is. real it's love letters? Like Yeah, they- I, I'm pretty sure they're I'm pretty sure they're like legitimate. Like um like the post like the postage stamp is like from nineteen forty one on this one. Um, nineteen nineteen from this one. You can see like the person's handwriting is just like absolutely wow. stunning. How they used to write back in the day when they took a lot of pride in that. And and yeah, it's just I actually haven't read all of them. Um, some of them are kind of hard to read, to be honest. Mm. Just like how, you know, it's like cursive. But but yeah, I, I bought them off of Etsy. Um, it was like a collection of of love letters. <laughs> um and I yeah, I just think they're really cool. That's amazing. What a great question, Melanie, because that, I mean, honestly, um, that is so cool. And just like, like, it's just like a piece of history yeah. that you can just touch and, and it's love letters and it's beautiful. And mm. oh, it that. made me weirdly emotional. <laughs> it's beautiful. Like somebody's treasured words have lived on and it's now like a treasure of yours in a different way. It's so cool. Yeah. Thank you. It's funny, the handwriting thing, though, because I have some pre-order stuff that (laughs) I'm doing for Sinner's Isle. And so I've been trying to write notes and (laughs) I have come to the realization my handwriting is awful. I mean, it's it's (laughs) really bad. I don't even know what I wrote on these letters. I don't know how we're going to read them. So I should have practice maybe but no readers were readers were still love that I had because I used to do the same like with all of my like pre-order campaigns early on when um I would definitely like write thank you notes and I would like send swag out and I had someone tag me not too long ago and they have kept every single like thank you letter that I've sent out with swag and I thought that was just really kind and sweet that they like kept it but I will say my handwriting has like progressively like gotten worse and worse because when you're (laughs) writing like a bunch of them it's like oh my goodness like my hand is hurting (laughs) so that's That's yeah and that's it's really really sweet that they would keep it like that That that's so cool now let's get into it like tell us a little bit about yourself I mean did you always want to be a writer not just a writer like an amazing writer let me just add that part in but did you know you always wanted to be a writer yeah I mean if you had asked me when I was eight years old what do you want to be when you grow up um I said two things and one was Olympic equestrian I loved horses. <laughs> um, and I think the the Olympics came to Atlanta, I think it was in 1994, 1995. No, it was 1996. So I actually went and saw one of the um, equestrian events there and it made like such a big impression on me. Um, but the other answer was author. Like I just knew very, very early on that I wanted to be an author. And I honestly cannot remember a time when I was not reading and writing. Like I have a very like vivid memory of being a kid and my grandfather had... Um, he was like one of the like the first people to have an Apple Mac at home and he had a printer and he was so proud of his Mac, you know, and um, so I would go to the printer and like still printer paper out and I'd fold it and staple it. So I was like making my own books and would just like illustrate. And I even had this one book. I remember um, I like it was Beauty and the Beast and I dictated it to my mom. So she like typed out everything and then I would illustrate it. And I, I couldn't even like really write words yet. So I'd have like the R's were backwards and everything. Um, but I also think it's because I just loved reading so much and, um, I was just like this voracious reader. And so because I was reading all these stories, I wanted to create my own 
And of course, as a teen, that's like, was like my number one passion. I was like, I would just sit in my room and write stories by hand. It was super boring. <laughs> like, you know, my siblings, I have like, I have five younger siblings. And they would like try to like spy on me and be like, oh, this is super boring. She's just sitting at her <laughs> desk, you know? Um, but yeah, it's just been something just very innate in me from the very beginning. Mm. And I will say it's probably been the only thing I've ever truly wanted to do that I've like dedicated myself to. Um, so yeah, I just feel very, very fortunate that, um, it like the dream actually happened and, you know, getting the publishing deal was just, I remember it just was life-changing for me. Mm, I have to know what was young Rebecca reading? What were you always curled up your go-to? Yes. Great question. So I love the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, so those were like very influential. And I think like that portal fantasy, <laughs> um, mm. we had this weird closet in our house where like you would open it and there was like a step up into it. And I remember like I would go and sit in that closet and like was trying to get to Narnia so bad just because I thought it was a magical <laughs> closet. Um, but you can even see like the wardrobe like influences years later with Divine Rivals. I bring that wardrobe magic back. And that is kind of a nod to the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe, which was such a huge um, impact on me. I also really, really love the saddle club. You know, I was, oh, I loved horses. So I love the saddle club. Um, and I also read a lot of the Dear America books. I don't know if y'all remember those, but they were like big when I was like in middle school. And it was like each book was like took on a girl in a different time period and would tell her story. And it initially was like United States history, but then they kind of expanded to like princesses from around the world. And I like had all of those books and I loved them. Um, and then as a teenager, I was a huge Lord of the Rings fan. So obviously those, those fantasy books were definitely fueling a lot of my imagination. And, and I think that's probably why I gravitated so much to fantasy. Oh, that is, I love the nod to Narnia in yeah. your books. And like I had chills when you mentioned it, cause it makes so much sense. It, that is so cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been wanting to do like a Lord of the Rings rewatch with my kids and this might just be the push I needed. I mean, I'll have to push them, but you know. Yeah, you should do it. You should do it. I remember I went and saw The Fellowship of the Ring like seven times in theaters. Like I was completely obsessed with that movie. But I feel like it's been so long since I've actually watched them. So I'm like, I need to do a complete like marathon, rewatch them again. Oh, yeah, we do I marathons think. often in our house. We love those films as well. And I have to say, I really identify with trying very hard to find Narnia too. There was many <laughs> a closet and I actually found one with fur coats. I was like, this is the one. This is the one. And I like went and I just like stood there <laughs> between oh. the fur coats. I was like, take me to Narnia, Aslan. But alas, <laughs> alas. <laughs> No, I love that and relate to that so hard. Like, it's funny how we all were like reading those books and like wanting to have that portal fantasy story. Yes. And now here you are like creating mm. these books and like now the next generation of readers or, you know, us, my <laughs> <laughs> young readers, um, you know, more mature readers, but we get to still live that fantasy through your books. And you can tell so many people really latched on to your stories and um, the, the divine rivals was so freaking good. Uh, it's, it was really funny cause I was reading it and then I got an email um, saying that you had blurbed my book and I was like, wait, Rebecca Ross, like, <laughs> like, how is this? Are you? And I had to like keep rereading it. Cause I was like, no way I'm, I'm literally like dying over her book right now. Um, but truly your book is so beautiful 
And it's just like this love story for the ages. It's just so, it just gives me just all the feels. Uh, Can you tell our listeners who haven't had the pleasure of reading or listening to it yet what it's about? Yeah, of course. Um, So my like elevator pitch is these two rival journalists fall in love through letters. Um, And they are in a world where two gods have woken up and are waging war. So it's like, you've got mail, that that story of two people who don't like each other and they're kind of competing for the same thing, um, fall in love through these letters, but it's against this backdrop of uh, this World War One inspired fantasy setting. So it is, it's probably, I would say my most romantic book to date. And that was very intentional. I really wanted to write a romance. Um, and yeah, I, I think like with the, it almost feels a little bit like an alternate history in a way. So I did do um, some like research about trench warfare because it does play a big part in the story, but yes, it's very much a romantic tale. Um, yeah. Mm, Hope I pitched that right. Sometimes I was like, what's your, what's your book about? It's like, I feel like I go in circles sometimes, but. Sounds amazing. Um, I'm very like, that's very specific trench warfare. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like a really like intense place I still remember studying that in high school like was it like how specific did you go it's really I had to ask about it yeah so I I remember like because I remember it too and I I honestly mm. feel like World War One is very often overlooked <laughs> like a lot of people like write about World War Two, and a lot of like films are about World War Two. And but I still remember um, like learning about World War One and how awful trench warfare was. Um, and so I think when I was developing this book, I just I could see that when Iris and Roman, they're both journalists, that they're both competing for the same position at the newspaper. Um, and then something happens when Iris decides to go report on the war front and her brother's also missing in action. So that's also what's fueling her. It's like, I want to know what happened to my brother. So I'm just going to take up this very dangerous job and go to the war front and report. Um, and so when I kind of like saw the direction the story was taking, like I I could just see her in the trenches. And I also saw Roman there with her and just like having this very intense moment. Like, what would that be like? So um, I definitely had a book about World War One, and it had like how the, the trenches were constructed and just like mm-hmm. um just like how like living conditions are really were really bad and just how it could be very demoralizing, especially if it was raining and they're in the trenches and just how things would be at a stalemate for a long time. And you're kind of waiting for the other side to kind of make an attack. And so um, I definitely had to use those books to kind of just exceed the visuals. And I will also say there were two films that I watched um, that I highly recommend. They're both very emotional because again, anything World War One is just like going to tear your heart out. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, but one is 1917. I don't know if, if you all have seen that film, but it is like a very cinematic um, uh, film about these two young men and they're having to carry this very important message, but it shows them going down to the trenches and the way that they film that it's like, it's like one long continuous take and you don't realize it until it's like, oh my gosh, like we've never had like, you know, a break like this. These actors are actually like continually to act and act and act. Um, so it's almost like you you can't even take a breath because you're with them in the trenches and um, there there has not been any type of break in the scene. Um, so I highly recommend that film and also Testament to Youth, which is based on a real story, which is another just like 
again, like I like cried so hard watching this. It's almost mm -hmm. hard to recommend it, but it is still like a very, um, I think eye-opening account of what World War One was like. Um, so yeah, definitely was like, I wanted to draw like that, have that historical atmosphere woven into the book. Um, but it was still really hard to do. And like, I can't even imagine writing a true like World War One like historical fiction, you know, because I'm still kind of drawing fantasy into it. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely very emotional, like writing those scenes. So what was like the first spark of inspiration for you? Was it like, those films or what, what like how did it where was the genesis of this story yeah so the story it was my the story I started writing in 2020 mm -hmm. and which I think that's pretty significant you hear about people's stories they wrote in 2020 that are now just like hitting shelves um but I, I actually had not written anything new almost the entire of 2020 because I just felt really overwhelmed and sad by like everything that was going on in the world um, so it wasn't until November and I was like, okay, I have not written anything new all year and I, I need to get going on something. So I opened my journal. I always keep a brainstorming journal where I write random things down. And so I actually started a new journal. It's like, okay, I'm just going to write very like interesting, like phrases down and just see if something sparks. And the thing that found me was um, a girl who writes letters to her missing brother and the boy who reads them. And I was like, that's a very interesting idea. And I've already mentioned You've Got Mail. It's one of my favorite films. I think I always knew one day I was going to write a book about two people who fall in love through letters. And I just was waiting for the right characters. And so as I started asking questions like, okay, well, why is this main character, this girl named Iris, like, you know, why is she writing letters to her brother? Like, why is he missing? And like, why is this other boy receiving these letters? Like, how is this happening? And so I just continued to ask myself questions. And I very quickly could sense like, the time frame. It was like this very early 1900s where there's this newsroom and, and typewriters and like cups of tea. And um, so, and I could instantly see their rivalry, like they're at the same newspaper. And then like somehow these letters have to get exchanged, like what could connect them, you know? So I was like going through all these things and I, I love typewriters. I've been collecting them for a while. It's like, well, what if the typewriters like have some type of magical link? And so I just continued to ask myself questions and I was so intrigued by it. Um, that I started writing the book and I knew like oh her brother's missing at war and that's kind of where the war aspect came in and because I already knew I was in an early 1900s feeling um, of an atmosphere I just knew it was like World War One inspired as well so that's really like the beginning and the story just kind of carried itself I was just very interested and excited to see where the book would go and it's amazing that it came out of a season of like a very long writer's block like very long drought where I didn't write anything new didn't feel like writing anything new mm -hmm. And I feel like one of my best works came out of that season. So it's just very interesting how, I guess, my mind works sometimes, <laughs> like where you feel like, oh, I'm never going to write another book again. And then you get an idea that all of a sudden sparks everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I love that you just ask your question, your self questions, like what if, and just explore it and follow the leads, which I think is just really, really fun. Um, you mentioned that you were kind of in that, like a, you know, writer's block or, you know, creatively was having a hard time. How do you feel like you can get yourself out of that? Like when you're stuck creatively, do you think like just writing in your journal was the thing that really sparked something new? Yes, because I've had a, another very similar situation happen right before I wrote River Enchanted, where again, I was feeling like I went months without writing anything new. And that writer's block was even worse because I would 
pull up my manuscript and I would write a sentence and delete it and write a sentence and delete it. Like it was just like this, I have, I feel like I have, I don't even know how to put a sentence together, but I think there's something very magical when you, when you kind of like close a laptop and then you open a journal and you start writing by hand and you just kind of let yourself write just whatever comes to mind, whether it's like a beautiful description or um, characters and like an argument they're having, like just something that's going to just get your, your hand moving across the page and just get almost unlock your mind. Like you're putting up walls in your mind because you want something to be perfect and you just need to let the ideas flow out. And I will never forget this, this advice I heard from Lainey Taylor, or she likened stories, like telling a story. It's like making fire where you need two sticks to rub against each other. And those sticks are two different ideas and they spark fire. So sometimes I feel like when I'm really struggling, like nothing's working out, nothing's working out. I have these great ideas. It's like, Oh, I just need to take this idea and this idea and bring them together. And a lot of times something sparks. And then all of a sudden I have the plot or all of a sudden I see the world. So um, I've never forgotten when she said that. And it has helped me a lot just to kind of like let make a notebook and fill it with ideas and just see what happens. Yes. Oh, I, Honestly, I have chills listening to this conversation because it's just, it's so what I love about being a writer. And I think that that way of approaching it, also that question asking, it kind of brings you back to what's most interesting about the story because the questions we ask are the, we want those answers as the story guides us through. It's so clever. Yeah. And I I am definitely a a discovery writer. Like I rarely plot. And I think that's, um it's it's like a gift and a curse at the same time because sometimes it's like a scary process where it's like I you know I'm just kind of going and asking questions and trying to figure out as I go um whereas it'd be nice to have like an outline (laughs) you know like things are you know like built and you just kind of fill them in but Mm. um but yeah it's just like that thrill of discovery is what I really love about drafting and like and I feel like I would not have come up with some of the plot twists or some of like the settings and the scenes and these character moments if I had plotted it, like it only comes in the moment when I'm actually like drafting and feeling the words flow. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. Um, yeah, it's just that fun discovery writing is just magic and, and hard in the revision process. Now you have ruthless bows coming out next. How was that compared to writing divine rivals? Uh, did you, was that were you discovery writing your way through that project as well? Not as much. I will say Ruthless Vows was 10 times harder to write than Divine Rivals. And I feel like it's it's tied with A Fire Endless when it comes to the hardest books I've ever written. And I think it has something to do with them being sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, you're still, you have your characters, you're continuing their arcs. You want to stay true to who they were in the first book, but you still need to develop new things in the sequel. And then of course, it's building, building, building to this final climax and then making sure everything is wrapped up, right? Um, so it's like this enormous pressure to try to like nail it, especially in YA when they want to keep your word count in like this very like firm little like narrow window. And I think mm-hmm. like the first draft of Ruthless Bowels was like 145,000 words. And I knew my editor was going to be like, whoa, like we need it to be like, like we need to be like 100,000 words. And I was just like, I don't think I can cut 40,000 words without like drastically changing the story. Mm-hmm. So I was able to cut like 20, like 25,000 words. And even then it was, it was. It was hard, but I will, I will say that going into Ruthless Vows, like I had, I will say like I had like kind of a set idea of like where I knew where I wanted it to end, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't exactly sure like how everything was going to play out. And so I had to trust myself again, like, okay, don't panic. Like we're going to figure this out. And it's almost like 
my subconscious like past Becca left things for like present Becca to find that's always like the weird thing about like writing books like I didn't even know to leave that hint for myself and then here it is so now I know what to do mm -hmm. um yeah just really trusting the process in my gut and like I think knowing who Iris and Roman were very very well also helped me be able to carry their story through to the end Mm, it's honestly really comforting to hear actually <laughs> as like a true pantser at heart who like forces themselves to plot a bit it's also it's kind of like nice to be reminded like that gut instinct that that core storyteller instinct that we have that makes us drawn to do this that also can be powerful like in its own way to just trust that and follow it and let the story unfold because like you said it it wouldn't have come about if you tried to sit down and plot it all out necessarily. So I just love that. Yeah, because it is, it's very true. One of my, my critique partner, Isabella Ibanez, she's also a YA author. She is a planner. <laughs> so she says like, she looks at my process and she's like, I don't know like how you do this. This would like terrify me, you know, not exactly knowing how you're going to get to the end. Um, but there really is something I think that it's very, it's like that, again, that magical, you can't even explain it where it is like, that's just how how writing works in my brain and how my brain works best when writing a book. Mm, it's the big magic, the writer big magic. I don't know if you've read that Liz Gilbert book, but yeah, it's, and I think that's the thing though. You've got to like each lean into your own way mm. of finding that. It, it doesn't work to like squeeze someone else's way onto yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it really is the coolest thing. Like when you do find those connections like from your first book to the mm -hmm. second that's got to be just the best freaking feeling <laughs> I love that so much now I mean I know I'm one of the people that are very excited for the second book like how does it feel knowing that there are so many people that are just like cannot wait to read your second book I mean did that like psych you out a little bit. I'm asking purely because I'm working on my second book. Not that everybody's asking for my second book, but I just know somebody will read the second book and I'm psyching myself out. So mm -hmm. how, how do you deal with kind of, do you have to block out, you know, all of the excitement and just focus? How, how do you tell me what to do basically? Yes. So I am, I, it's very, it's been incredible to watch. Mm -hmm. um, I would have never expected it in a million years to have so many people anticipating the book. And so I'm very, very thankful for it. I will say it is, it's exciting, but it's also slightly terrifying because um, you do want it to live up to readers' expectations. And I will say, I'm so glad that I wrote Ruthless Vows before Divine Rivals came out and before it really blew up, because I think it would have definitely been harder for me to know so many people were anticipating it if I was writing it um, because you don't really want any any type of like theories or anything interfering with how you envision the story your story ending mm. so I will say like trying to block things out probably is is very helpful just like you're not trying to listen to out the outside noise and it's hard when you're especially about to debut and you're about to be um, having events and talking about your book and it's like a whirlwind um, but yeah, just kind of like finding those moments where it's quiet and you're, you're writing the story, how you see it, how you want it to be. Mm -hmm. um, I always think those first drafts are truly for yourself as the writer. And then as you're going through revisions, that's when you're thinking, okay, who is this book for, you know, who is the audience? And, um, but yeah, no, it's, again, it's very, it's very exciting, but also slightly terrifying. And so I'm just trying to, you know, be like, you know what, like, 
hopefully people like the conclusion. I definitely poured like blood, sweat and tears into that book. It was one of the hardest things I've ever written. Um, but yeah, I just, I, you know, I'm very excited about it coming out and for the duology to be complete and for everyone to read the conclusion. Yes. And just the fan art too. The fan art is so good for your book. Yeah. I have been again, just blown away, you know, by all this fan art and I get tagged in it and it just like brings tears to my eyes sometimes. Cause it's just like absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so I try to like post, re you know, repost it on my account and um, so other people can also experience it and see it. But yeah, I've just been Again, just so very humbled and honored by it. Mm, it's a testament to the strong characters you've built for sure. The like the fans can't stop picturing them. No, I want to ask, what do you think has been the hardest part for you through through all of this journey? Yeah, so some people may be surprised to know that um, Divine Rivals is my seventh published book. I debuted back in 2018. I got my first book deal back in 2015. So technically I've been writing full time since about like 2016. And so I've been in this, this business for a while. And, um, you know, I, I will say like my, my earlier books, they were, they were not like huge successful hits. They were very quiet novels. Um, I definitely had readers who loved those books. And some of these readers have been with me from the very beginning with the Queens rising. And it's really incredible to see that they've stuck with me throughout all these years. Um, but I do remember there was like a time where, you know, when you're trying to sell the next thing that an editor is going to be looking at your sales track and be like, oh, well, you know, your books have not sold that much, <laughs> you know, like, is an editor going to want to still buy stuff from me? And just like how, you know, it, it can feel very like discouraging sometimes. I think there's a lot of ups and downs with publishing. And I just told myself, I was like, you know, I, you know, especially when Sisters of Sword and Song came out, that was my 2020 book that came out um obviously that book that year was just really hard for everybody and I especially feel for debuts that came out in 2020 which is like really hard because you know especially like everyone was buying books but they were buying books that were already very popular and then if you can't go into a bookstore and browse the shelf and kind of discover books that way how are you going to find books like on Amazon if they're playing into the algorithm well what's popular you know so I just remember thinking like just feeling really kind of low <laughs> and sad when Sisters of Sword and Song came out but you know, steadily over the years, like people do find your books and your readers will find you. And I think that has been just, it's been a, just a very steady, slow, but steady journey for me. And, and looking back, I would have it no other way. I'm very glad that this is how my journey has been that I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to keep writing because I love it. And I'm, I'm too stubborn to give up. Like as long as an editor <laughs> wants to buy something from me, I'm just going to keep selling and keep writing and just keep going. Mm -hmm. And maybe one day stars will align and one of my books will break out. And um, so it's very interesting to see now that it has happened with Divine Rivals, but it is many, many, many years of just putting time and work and time and work and time and work, just being too stubborn to quit. Um, mm. So again, just, I think I, with anything with publishing relating, it, there, there can be very like low moments. And just as a reminder, like social, social media, like on my Instagram, like it's all a highlight reel too. So I'm not really sharing the lows that I'm going through. So I don't want people to think like, Oh, like, you know, get the wrong impression that it's so easy. And, um, but there is like a, a, behind every author, there is this very long journey. And especially if you get published, like a very long journey is how you got there. And so, um, but everybody's journey is unique. And again, I would not change anything about mine. And I'm glad of all those hours when I almost wondered if I should quit. And I didn't because I just felt like this is what I really want to do. It's what I love. So I'm going to keep going. Man, that brings tears to my eye. I like I just 
I love it so much because it's true for a lot of people, maybe who are just like learning who you are through the divine rivals, because it's been book boxes or whatever. Mm. And, you know, but it's not this overnight success story. You've been working at it and just writing and working on your craft. And it really, really shows. I mean, your words are so beautiful and powerful. Um, so I, I think it's just like a inspiration to all of us writers, because this isn't an easy journey. This isn't an easy path. And a lot of us have been grinding for a while. And so it's really, really cool just to hear you say this, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's What's been your most rewarding part so far of your journey? I think any time that I hear from a reader who read one of my books and it meant something to them. It's just like, I can't even explain the feeling I get, but it has often brought tears to my eyes. And I think Divine Rivals in particular, I've had a lot of people reach out to me because they have lost people very close to them in their life because the book deals a lot with grief and loss. And Mm -hmm. so it's just been like, oh my goodness, like, you know, just hearing people say, you know, I have also gone through this and this book meant so much to me and like how Iris processes her grief. And um, so I think honestly, that is the best thing about being an author is knowing your books have found your their readers and like found um, a home on readers shelves and has been for them like a light in the darkness throughout whatever season of life when they needed the book that it actually it found it found its readers because you also have readers who don't like what you do. <laughs> and they'll tell you and they'll tag you <laughs> sometimes. Um, and that can be kind of hard to like balancing if you just know that just the book wasn't for them. And then there are definitely readers that need your words. And so yeah, that's probably the, that's the best thing about being an author. Mm, I love that. There are readers that need your words. That's beautiful. Okay. Well, we have our favorite question that we always ask, which is looking back at all you've accomplished, what advice would you give a younger version of yourself before you started this journey? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, I think I, I would just tell her like, Because sometimes I imagine like if I could go back to my younger self and be like, hey, one day, like you're going to have X amount of books published and like here they all are. Here's the stack. Like I would have never believed it, I don't think. And so I I think I would just tell myself to just, again, write stories that you want to read, write stories that you love. Um, Don't be afraid to take a risk and go out on a limb because that's a lot of, that's a big part of it, like getting published. Um, Yeah, just to enjoy the journey. Like, don't try to feel like you need to rush. I think there's this, this mentality of you have to hurry, hurry, hurry. You gotta do it when you're young, you're gonna get too old. And it's just like, no, 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 no. Like, (laughs) there's no like time limit on this. And it's okay to take your time. It's okay if you're not um, like rushing through things. I think sometimes even when you when you draft a first book, you want to immediately rush and query and just send all the queries out. And so I think there's a bit of patience and two, you have to learn as you're like kind of getting into this because you have to wait for a lot of things. You have to wait for a long time for certain things with publishing. It can be infuriating sometimes. It's like you don't hear anything for months and then all of a sudden everything happens. So again, just be like, tell myself, do what you love, write what you love. And again, just don't give up. Just have that grit and, and just keep mm-hmm. going. Yes. And I love what you said before, too stubborn to quit. That, that hit me deep. I'm going to need a tattoo of that. <laughs> you should get a tattoo of that, Melanie. I, I feel see like, I right, feel like on your chest, just full body <laughs> chest tattoo. <laughs> That's a vibe. I, it's a vibe. I think I need that. <laughs> yeah. 
I love that. Well, what do you do for fun when you're not writing these amazing stories? What's life like for you? What do you do? What are your hobbies? Do you have hobbies? <laughs> oh my gosh. So I don't have very many hobbies. I will say I do like to garden. We just got chickens this year. So now I'm obsessed with my chickens. I'm one of those like crazy chicken people that are just like always out there with their chickens and talking to their chickens. Um, but they're so much fun. And they just, they honestly just started laying eggs a few weeks ago. And it's just like, oh, they're just like, so they're just so precious, you know, now they're laying eggs. And um, so I, so I like doing um, kind of like, not, I'm not a homesteader, but I like doing things like growing my own food and taking mm. care of um, my chickens. I'm obsessed with my dog. Um, but I just like doing house projects too. I'm very much, um, occasionally I'll kind of get like the desire to want to like, um, kind of like redecorate or something. Like I really do like interior decorating and I kind of have like a really weird style and it's taken me a while to figure out like, just decorate your house how you want to decorate it, even if it looks weird. Um, but I enjoy that. And then of course, just, um, any type of like, I like, I pretty much walk every day. I feel like that's like very good for my just like creative like I like to kind of trying to be active because with being an author I feel like I have sat for so many hours and it's kind of caught up to me and I'm like oh like I actually needed to really get out there and like move my body instead of being crunched at my desk for like 12 hours so um I do enjoy strength training and, and doing some running but I'm, I'm pretty boring like I really like just kind no. of I'm like a hermit at my house like with my garden my, kids, my dog <laughs> Yeah, no, you're a woman after my own heart. Honestly, everything you were saying, besides the running, everything else, I was like, yes, me too. <laughs> okay, good. Yes, chickens are underrated. I don't have them now, but I grew up with them and they're very soothing to watch. They are. I've heard people say it's like free therapy almost because you, yeah. do, you just go out there and watch them and there's something so like calming about them. Like, and they have their own little personalities and their little sounds. And it is, it's very soothing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when they start laying eggs. I think that's just <laughs> so fun. Like you can collect different chickens that have different colored eggs, yeah. which is so fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we could just have another podcast just talking about chickens. I'd be down. Really Seriously. <laughs> when we moved here, I was trying to work out if my balcony was big enough for like a little city coop. And then I decided probably not, probably not. But one day. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Well, I see our time. We've got a minute left. So I just yes. want to say like, thank you for taking the time to talk with us and really just to like, just like give us the most amazing advice and inspiration. You truly are an inspiration to all of us writers. So thank you for seriously just taking the time to talk with us. Oh my goodness. Of course. It's my honor. And I love Sinner's Isle. I'm so excited for you with your debut coming out. What day is it coming out? It's pretty soon. Right? Halloween. Halloween. Okay. So this month, a couple of weeks away. So yes. exciting. Yes. It's wild. I can't wait to be done. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I guess feeling. you're never done, but you know, you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you're just getting started, baby. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it was such a pleasure to meet you. It's going to cut us off any second, but yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank y'all. Thank Bye. you. Bye.